It's incredible. Uh, you know, playing with Tony and JT today, two of the top players in the world. And um, all of us playing the way we did. I mean, I think the worst score of the group was, whatever, six under par. Um, yeah, this is a day I'll remember for a long, long time. Uh, 21st PGA Tour win, uh, one more than someone else. Uh, that gave me a little bit of extra incentive today, and I'm um, happy to get it done. Welcome back to Too Much Dip, a Daveless dip on a Monday afternoon. Rainy as hell, Madison, Wisconsin up here. Probably hot and dry, no doubt steamy in Austin, Texas, because I am joined by the one, the very viral, Dylan Shivery. Oh, come on, man. What's up, KJ? How are we doing, Dude. my friend? You're right. It is very, very hot here in Austin, Texas, especially after I went viral. Thank you for saying that. Uh, yeah, Dave's not here. Some are saying it's because I went viral and he uh, didn't want to show up here and, and have me outshine him. But yeah, I wouldn't do that to the to the man. He's out there in uh, Florida doing his thing. We miss him. You got to think he uh, when he booked this trip to retrace the steps of the entire Florabama cast. I don't know how many seasons that show ran, but you know, I imagine CMT might have picked it up for like season three or four. But uh, when he put this on the calendar, he had no idea what uh, his, his trip would be you know, overlapping. And by that, really, I just mean he had no idea that, like the end of Joy Salo's career at Oklahoma would occur while he was gone, um, that Dylan would be like one step away from being BFFs with Martha Stewart. Like, do you think she saw the tweet? Uh, yeah, it, it's you think about when uh, I mean, when someone like Snoop Dogg quote tweets you and, you know, all the all the retweets and all that, the, the Instagram accounts that pick it up, your mind starts to wonder, like, who's who's seeing all this? You know, like Snoop Dogg, that's a that's a heavy hitter, man. Uh, and so, yeah, I think Martha's aware. I think Martha's aware that I have a very uh, funny seven year old son. <laughs> I do like the thought that there's somebody who was on the, I don't know, Super Bowl planning committee that, you know, still follows Snoop from the performance uh, at this year's Super Bowl. And as they're like getting their, I don't know, holiday lineup ready for whatever programming they're doing now, they're like, let's keep tabs on this guy. Call some time from like somebody at Viacom, like wanting you to uh, sit in on like a, you know, your your second or third television appearance, uh, just following this one tweet. Yeah, I'm waiting for like Ellen to reach out. Like, can we have your son just do a a quick little guest appearance on the show, something cool like that? But not nothing along those lines. I haven't. I mean, I haven't received any cool emails yet from anyone influential. Not no opportunities are coming up this yet. But um, it's been a very fun, exhilarating ride since uh, Friday night. Fair, fair. Yeah. Well, I will, um, I won't take up too much time with this, but I do want to brag on, on something I, I would call a lifetime first, maybe a lifetime achievement. Definitely a big step in, in not only my dadhood life, but my suburban uh, and Midwestern life. Mm -hmm. And that is my first ever garage sale experience. Oh. Not as a shopper, but as a uh, You hosted. 
Oh, and how'd yeah. it go? When it, and you, so you did this over the weekend? Did this over the weekend. Uh, not something that I planned, which is the only reason that it occurred. Um, our neighborhood had this scheduled, I guess, a couple months ago. Uh, and it was, I don't know, we've got four or five streets worth of houses that, that justify, or I don't know, whatever, declare our neighborhood. So maybe 150 homes, but probably 25 or so. Uh, participated. I have no idea. There wasn't like a head count or you know, a list of all the homes that I, I, I reviewed. But I know that my wife, who has some time on her hands as she is taking care of uh, you know, our now two-month-old daughter uh, and kicking ass at doing that, um, took it upon herself to say, okay, we've got quite a bit of stuff that we moved from Texas with that we absolutely do not need. You know, stuff from whenever I lived alone, her condo, uh, we moved out of a house that was larger than, uh, the home we're in now, uh, overall square footage wise and had a guest house. We staged that house when we sold it. So we just had redundancies everywhere. Uh, prime opportunity. I didn't expect much. I expected, uh, you know, we'd sell some things here and there. We had like a Roomba that we got as a wedding gift that, uh, just didn't function quite properly. That's old. I sold one of the TVs that I didn't break or that movers didn't break. Um, but I would not have believed that, uh, you know, just a humble little garage sale you could walk away with uh, a comma in the grand total. That was quite uh, Really? Shocking. Absolutely. I'm like, what? I mean, were you selling like a, a PS4? Like what, what, what exactly? Was, I mean, I guess a Roomba is a big ticket item. The Roomba was the start of it. And I think that's what gave me the confidence to say, you know what, let's just start putting out other things that like you may have not intended to sell, but you certainly could do without like the TV that I sold. It was a nicer TV, uh, 4k, you know, decent size, whatever, but it was going to end up in the basement. You know, it wasn't the prime TV upstairs or whatever. So it was like, F that, you know, throw a yeah. price on it, see what happens. Man, I, we could probably stand to do one of those just unload some things. Uh, Brittany was, she made a, one of those, like just, she was served an ad. This is probably a, three weeks ago. It, and it was late at night. She was probably a few glasses of wine deep. And we have kids who um, are very crummy. They, as in mm -hmm. they create crumbs. And she was served an ad for like a little countertop crumb vacuum. <laughs> it's like the size of a, basically the size of this coffee mug. And, and it's exactly what you would think it is like, instead of using a paper towel, which has been very efficient over the years in, in cleaning up crumbs, it's just thing you turn it, you charge it, you turn it on and you, you just go like that over the crumbs and it, no one needs that. No one needs it. So we, we could unload some stuff like that, but I, I think she's slowly starting to enjoy that purchase more and more. I but, can't judge you or her because the only reason the Roomba was up for sale was because like the first thing we did was say, you know what? These kids also create a lot of crumbs. Wouldn't it be nice to go replace that old Dyson stick we used to have that, you know, mm -hmm. at some point in time died out a few years ago. Uh, and that was like one of the first Costco purchases. So like, I'm not going to say the garage sale justified all of the random things I've purchased as we've moved up here, but I was, I was blown away by the uh, eagerness of uh, the Midwest to come buy my old shit. So uh, yeah, I probably won't look forward to doing it again, but it was, uh, it was interesting. Very cool. Very cool. You, well, catch, you catch some sports over the weekend? You know, not as much as I would have liked, but I certainly did myself a favor and spent a good two hours catching up this morning. 
uh, and doing a deep dive. The one thing I did have earmarked and sat down and watched a little bit of uh, at least early Friday uh, was the first, or I guess that would have been the second round, second day of the tournament. Kicked Um, off on Thursday, and as we know, it's a 54-hole tournament, so it ended Saturday. Uh, Honestly, I wouldn't even have known where to find this if not for the guys in this office basically telling me and then putting it on the TV here. So, yeah, it was available on YouTube. Uh, it did some numbers. It was, um, I think, probably as or better than expected as far as, um, you know, on the, the viewer count front, but did catch a little action. I mean, it was it was fine. The, the crowds were, there were crowds, of course, as it, was, it was in London. There were crowds there. There weren't massive crowds there or anything. Um, but for me, what I what I dislike about it the most aside from being backed by blood money of course this thing i disliked about it most is it just feels like the competition is so watered down and i know they're just getting started they've added a few big names and they're going to add some more but with the pga tour and now the lift tour sharing these guys it waters down both products and i think that's what i hate the most about it like i mean schwartz charles schwartzel won and I know mm-hmm. that he's he's a he's a major winner, um, mm-hmm. but that dude's not supposed to win tournaments anymore. He's just he only not. has like four career wins in total, like yeah. including major. He only has four wins. I went and looked at his clear career yeah. earnings: four million this weekend. That's twenty percent of what he's won lifetime. We were 20- watching on Friday in here, and I don't even remember the the guy's name. That's how. That's how <laughs> you know nothing he is. But I they were featuring him like he was a dude. He had a a man bun. They were featuring this guy and they showed him like nuts. I'm like, who is this guy? He has like a couple wins in Japan or something. I think like no, no one cares. Um, yeah, there was a guy with, there's like a 15 year old or 16 year old on the tournament. And then I want to say, um, I don't want to butcher what country, but there were, there's another guy and it may have been this one, a uh, fairly long last name who, like you said, done well on, on the Japanese tour. And, it was like one of the premier names they were showing of like, Oh, here's one of the hot names we got. Yeah. As a super cash soups cash, if you will, uh, viewer of golf, I didn't mind the lineup as much. I kind of filed it away. Like I would like the Olympics when those roll around, even uh-huh. if you're getting bigger names in the Olympics, you're just like, eh, this just seems a little gimmicky. What I did, uh, what I didn't appreciate so much was that, not only was there a PGA event going on, which I didn't, you know, I threw out the can the Canadian tour last week just as a placeholder. I didn't realize the uh, Canadian Open or whatever was this weekend. At the same time, or mm-hmm. RBC Canadian Open was this weekend at the same time as like the PGA event that was going on here in Madison. Like, so there were three different events, and nobody okay. was watching them here in Madison because right. I can't tell you the name of anybody who finished right. top five. And I've faced zero traffic driving directly by the course. <laughs> uh, so I don't think many people cared about this event, but that even alone, like it's two legitimate PGA tournaments going on on top of the live tournament. So I'm interested to see what this upcoming week looks like being a majors week, uh, having the uh, PGA open or PGA championship. Wait, no. U.S. Open. U.S. Open this weekend. U.S. Open. Uh, And the USGA has allowed all of the players to be eligible to play. I'm a little shocked, not by the comments of 
the PGA commissioner, which we can talk about here in a second, but by how many of the players, Rory McIlroy specifically, who are like very vocally butthurt over this whole thing. Like, I don't get that part. Why don't you get about it? Like, I get it if you're the PGA commissioner. Like, this is your job to, you know, stand on the wall, defend the bag. And if you're Rory and you feel like somehow this is affecting your ability to make money or compete against the best, like, I don't know what they owe Rory, you know? Like, I can see a generic announcer, but, like, the other players, it's like... I mean, Liv is, it's a threat to the PGA Tour. Yes. And, I mean, dollars are going to... I think as as some of the competition goes elsewhere and maybe some eyeballs go elsewhere, I mean, the purses might get smaller. Um, yeah. it, it, it absolutely may happen. Um, but I think it's it's much more than that. It's just, it's, uh, I think they look at these guys as like traitors in a way. Um, they've, they've been a part of something that's been, you know, fair to them over the years. I mean, good to them over the years. They've made a, a incredible living playing this game for the PGA tour. But I really think it has a lot more to do with like the people that are behind the lift tour. I really do. It's like, it's just, it's, it's come together in a very shady way by shady people. And I think they're outspoken probably for that reason. Um, so I, 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 I personally love it. I mean, I, if I'm glad it like Rory, I think was like the perfect winner this week. Yeah, because he's, you know, he's dedicated. He's committed to the PGA Tour. He's also a very outspoken golfer. He has been over the years. He's he will not hold back on anything. So that guy to win it and to have like a little bit of a grudge uh, against the Live Tour, and of course he just so perfectly passes Greg Norman in career wins uh, with this one. Like the whole thing was like poetic in a way. So very happy that Rory won. And I'm also happy that he's outspoken about it and he's, he's don't, he's taking shots. And so, so is JT to some degree. I'm, I'm all about it, man. I, I only like it if at some point, like I, I'm not expecting like a wrestling uh, brawl to come of this, but let's say that this league sticks around long enough to make noise. Like we've seen in other sports and the biggest difference here is there's no end to the money available to the live tour. Whereas in other leagues, like I think it was what the USFL that did okay for like one season or half a season. And it did okay enough for like the NFL, I think bought their technology and bought them out, bought the league and said, Hey, you know what? You guys go peacefully into the night. We just want this data, this information. Uh, you did good. I think there's an opportunity for I, I don't even know. I, I would say soccer is a better example of you can have coexisting leagues that have nothing to do one with one another. If at some point there's a payoff that you're going to see some competition amongst the two. Now, I don't know that you have that until things like the world cup, there's not really an equivalent in golf, but maybe that's the next step. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't see this as, you know, China, Russia backed, operation type thing but again it is it is very important to at least acknowledge like yeah if you're going to go play in this tournament and you know where the money money came from at least own that it's not important to you that they did yeah you can't be ignorant anymore like that's that's yeah. got to be uh i, I would yeah. say a given um yeah i think at the end of the day i've said it it just it waters down the product and i it it's it sucks for the fans i mean if 
the RBC, uh, the Canadian RBC Open, if DJ were there, maybe the outcome's different. If some of these other golfers were there that are playing well, if they're in that tournament, maybe Rory doesn't win. You know, he was playing against marginally lesser competition because of uh, this other tournament that coincided with it. And that sucks. I don't like it. So I think from a legacy standpoint, I think that that does bring up a good point. Like at what point does this begin to look like some of the, you know, Tiger's fields were always so laughable, not because there wasn't talent, just because he was so good. But what's it going to say when you start having four or five players and then a huge gap because players seven through 10 who may not ever cross into the top 10, but they always push the envelope aren't there. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to be upset with the bag. It's also, you know, or going after the bag, but it's also hard for me to feel that the PGA tour specifically, um, I get, I, I agree being upset about competition. Although I think in general, we should embrace that, but PGA tour specifically being able to take a moral high ground. I kind of feel like uh, it's a little bit weird. You know, one of the most, you know, uh, they embrace their history. They've embraced their legacy, but it's also like intertwined with some of the most exclusionary venues and places in the country to this day. Um, and not for the best reasons. It's, it's, it's a little bit hard for me to be like, Oh, well, you know, it's yeah. America's first time, the PJ who's always been open and welcoming to everyone. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not going to equate the two, you know, uh, I don't know. You fund nine 11 versus you're just kind of okay with, you know, Augusta Nationals history. Um, I don't yeah. think those are on level playing fields, but at the same time, I, I'm, I think that uh, I'm interested to see if the competition side of it yeah. creates anything good for the the viewer. So we mentioned Rory had some comments. He was mm-hmm. he threw a little bit of shade at, you know, lift tour, Greg Norman and made a petty comment about passing him and in, in wins. Didn't mention him by name, but it was obviously implied. Um, but also, Jay Monahan, PGA commissioner, was interviewed while at the Canadian Open. And he said some interesting things. Uh, first of all, he mentioned 9-11 and families of the 9-11 victims and them wanting... I, 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 he said something like they, like they co-authored a statement like against something. Anyway, they're unhappy, and he, he, was, he was very sure to make that clear. Um, but also, he, he said, and this is a quote, he said something like, has anyone ever had to apologize for playing on the PGA Tour? Of course, <laughs> implying that people who are playing for the Lyft Tour have, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they have a lot, a lot of questions to answer. So him taking that shot, I found to be somewhat interesting. Um, it, it, it mostly shows to me, like, he's down for a war. Like, he's down for the battle. He's not just going to, you know sit back and let the competition just kind of take over well without, you know, getting his two cents in. And he, he's, he's down to scrap a little bit if he has to. I, it does push the narrative for me of like, is there a different way to handle it? If you're him, like, is there a quote unquote, a high road to be taken or is there um, a bridge that can't be unburnt because they've been very vocal about suspending the players to play or future players that participate in the live tour. Mm-hmm. Very open about drawing that red line as is their right. Okay. Let's say the live tour only runs this one year. 
it's successful, but let's just say the money that's backing it has other interests. You know, they want to go do something else. Who knows why? But let's say it's short-lived. Uh, zero pun intended there. Right. If you're P- if you're the PGA, are you really going to be like, yeah, you are uh, Pete Rose to me. You're you're excommunicated forever from golf. Like, at what point are you just kind of spiting yourself here? Um, if there is some sort of, I, I like, I, I assume the PGA is the type of place that would do that forever, but it just doesn't seem like it seems petty to like be this aggressively vocal about it. It does, but it's, it's adding to the intrigue for me. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying the shit show that's kind of taken off right now. Um, yeah. I mean, if you were to sit, if you were to sit back quietly and if the players were to just, you know, not speak up about what's going on, it would, I don't know. It would it would just be a little boring. Like, okay, we got this other league now, and it's backed by the Sallies, and that's kind of shitty. But they're whatever. But since yeah. since people are speaking up about it, and even the the commissioner of the tour is speaking up about it and saying some some pretty heavy stuff, it it, it makes it all a little, just a little bit more interesting to me. So um, I don't know what to expect in the long run. I don't think the live tour is going away anytime soon. But we'll see what happens. I mean, they, I think they're about to announce like a next wave. Of, of guys, Bryson is one of them, uh, Matthew Wolf, I think, is going, and some other pretty big names, and it's I think it's just only going to get worse. Yeah, maybe that has a lot to do why he can't be quiet about it, because... Yeah, yeah, he, know, he, this is not good for business. Quiet. It's not a good look it's at all. It's not good for, for business. Vocal. Yeah. So I am curious to know who, like, if Tiger's healthy, I think there's a chance Tiger would have been on that list. I don't think so. I don't think he needs it. I don't think I so. Think, I think there would have been an opportunity for them to say, you know what, Tiger, this is your thing. Like they would have given him the reins carte blanche. Like Greg Norman yeah. would have just been the, you know, number two in this situation. Uh, and they would have turned over all of the like uh, intrigue to Tiger. Although we know Tiger cares so much about math or majors and the masters that I don't know that he would want to gore that ox, but I think there's a chance tiger would have been like, you know what? I do like money. And by the way, announced, uh, he is now a billionaire over the mm-hmm. weekend. It's been announced. Uh, don't forget. He gave up half of his shit when he, when he got divorced a while back, <laughs> the dude's a billionaire. Uh, so for all this to happen while that's going on is interesting. Also like all the records, I mean, that stuff, Record books, the PGA Tour wins, and also like the world golf, like the the world ranking. Live Tour has to submit a case for being like included. Something's mm. something's going on. They have to like apply to be factored into the world golf rankings. And then, is, wow, yeah. So a lot of shits at play here. A lot of it. Um, also, we have the U- the U.S. Open is this weekend. U.S. Opens this weekend in Brookline, Massachusetts. Yes. Next live tournament is in a week or two after, I guess in two weeks in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. I guess I never really factored in my head like that. They were also going to have us events too. I thought this was all international uh, stops. So London to Portland's a weird tour to travel. Yeah. Uh, But you know, so be it. Yeah. So of course, of course the guys who are eligible for the PG or for the, I'm sorry, for the U S open who are playing a live tour are allowed to show up. It is not a PGA tour event. Uh, Phil's going to be there. DJ's going to be there. There's going to be some awkward uh, driving range conversations, I would imagine. 
So um, that'll be it'll be interesting to follow the pettiness over the weekend. But at least all the you know the world's best golfers will be there. So that'll that'll be exciting. Um, you got anything else on golf? I don't know. I don't know what what to say about the U.S. Open. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get enough of yeah. it this weekend. I'll watch. Uh, I I do hear those words in my head. Um, just I asked, is golf not is golf getting boring? But was what Scotty Scheffler was doing? Would I'm sorry. After the first two majors were fairly boring tournaments, and by boring I mean like not much of a challenge for the one the person who won each of them outside of Rory's performance uh, at the Masters, like I asked the question, like, do we miss some of that intrigue from Brooks and uh, Bryson not having any clue that once this quote unquote was dead, that it would come back and be just a much bigger shit show. So I too am interested to see uh, where it goes from here. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get Uh, some interesting things to talk about next week when we reconvene after the tournament has concluded. Something, uh, something else I'm interested in seeing is uh won't you go ahead and uh, pop that uh hat oh, up well there. okay you're talking of course about my hair chris which is much less gray than it, it used to be actually um interestingly enough i got my uh, wedding pictures back uh about two hours ago okay and on my lunch break i was kind of looking through them and while they are fantastic pictures uh i'm pretty gray in the pictures that's because i had not yet used l'oreal paris Paris Men Expert One Twist Hair Color, which is, of course, the hair dye for men uh, targeted at those who have gray hairs, which I have had been um, open about that since uh, my early 20s. But, yeah, I use it for the first time, uh, I guess, about a month or so ago. Got back from uh, Mexico. I used it. The results were fantastic. It takes me it took me five minutes. It will take you five minutes to use it. it comes in one little tube thing. You There's a plastic tab. You just you snap that off. You shake it up. You apply it. You let it sit for five minutes. It is so easy. It smells good. After you're done, you just wash it out. You take a shower, and then boom, your gray hairs are gone. This stuff is so easy to use. Also, the perfect Father's Day gift. The perfect is- Father's Day gift. That's what's got it on my radar because I, I mentioned a little bit about uh, running my first garage sale this weekend. It also gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of the neighbors and, you know, they saw the kids out in the yard. And for the first time, I was like, I am a father of two. Mm-hmm. I am also uh, graying here in the wings on either side of my head. The beard's been that way for a little while. Yep. I think this is on my uh, to-do list for this weekend, or at least my wish list for Father's Day for sure. Yeah, if you're old man, or if your husband, boyfriend, if if they are graying a little bit, and they wouldn't be, they aren't the type to go out and purchase this for themselves. It really is a perfect Father's Day gift. Uh, again, it is the L'Oreal Paris Men Expert One Twist Hair Color. It's easy to use. It works really well. And personally, I love it. Amazon, Walmart. Yes, online. that's right. But also, you can go to the store. Yeah, Amazon, Walmart, and at Walmart, it's near the razor section. You don't even need a promo code when you check out in-store at Walmart. Just tell the cashier, like, hey, too much dip sent me. That's right. And then, you know, they won't know what you're talking about, but they should hear those (laughs) words. There it is. You watching some NBA or what? Uh, Yes, that is one thing I have kept up with. Uh, I'm eating my words when I kind of med this series after being 1-1, talking about the 25-point swings. Here we are tied up at two and exactly what you said probably should happen and needed to happen has happened. And that was that uh, Steve Kerr, who 
anyone who I would say thinks about who the best coaches in the NBA are right now uh, probably gives him enough credit for, but I certainly don't sit down and just realize like how much he's achieved in his career as a player and a coach and who he's coached under and coached with and played for. But his decision to bench Draymond and Draymond Green, one of the most vocal, loud, uh, boisterous personalities in the NBA, basically is like, yeah, it was disappointing, but I agreed with it. I had to roll with a hot hand. So Jordan made sense. Has he been benched going into game five or was he benched for game four? I'm kind of catching up on this. He was benched, I want to say, in the first or like into the second. Okay. He, yeah, he was will benched. He, will he start tonight? He he probably will start tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. <laughs> we thought we thought we only had two of us today, but Siri stepped in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I believe he'll be in the starting lineup. One of the other changes that was made uh, was that he benched uh, Kevin Looney, who was a star in the uh, Western Conference Finals versus the Mavs, who's just been getting tossed around uh, in the post and, and not really contributing on the level that he's capable of, mm -hmm. but, um, it was a big game. So I believe the game goes back to golden state here. I wouldn't be shocked if Boston still messes around and wins out West, but, uh, it's turned into, you know, as good as got a good series. Yeah. Love it. Uh, I don't have much more on the, uh, the finals. I haven't, Honestly, I've been watching so much college baseball that I haven't really given much thought to basketball. If you have nothing else, let's move on to college baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, the super regionals actually for and and two of the two of the matchups are still ongoing. Um, mm -hmm. But the yeah the college baseball uh, the college world series is starting to round round out a little bit. Uh, the big shocker over the weekend: Notre Dame took down. National number one seed Tennessee, who we have talked about quite a bit, or at least a little bit, uh, leading up to today. Um, I've been outspoken about how much I hate them. I think, and and when they were losing the other day, I noticed that I am far from the only one who feels that way. Um, this team, if you guys have are unaware of Tennessee, they had I think they lost only like five games all all regular season. They just absolutely just torched the SEC. Far and away the best team in the SEC. They came in with a lot of confidence. And this team, when I say a lot of confidence, I should say that's the cockiest team of all time. These guys <laughs> have a fur coat in the dugout that they put on after home runs. They have a cap and a cap hanging in the dugout that says daddy that they wear around. These guys, they they have choreographed celebrations for base hits. They bat flip, you know, to the moon when they when they hit a home run. They are just obnoxiously cocky um probably the cockiest of them all is i think he's a center fielder his name is drew gilbert um this guy has face paint that covers his whole face <laughs> he's got the the big loud oakley's that are basically pit viper sunglasses he wears a bandana and he just struts around the field like like he owns a place and this guy he argued a uh, a called third strike in game one early on in the game and said something to the umpire, and he got booted. And because of that, he had to miss game two. So Tennessee lost game one against Notre Dame, won game two in his absence, Drew Gilbert's absence, um, and then they lost the deciding game three, uh, I guess it was yesterday. And yeah. it was very exciting. Everyone was on Notre Dame's side because this is a very hateable team. 
Uh, also, their head coach, uh, he's he's up, and to say he's an, an enabler is an understatement. This guy got booted from a game for like chest bumping an umpire. Like he's obnoxious too. Anyway, very happy to see those guys go home. Not just because they are uh, dickheads, but because they are a very good baseball team that just didn't have it over the weekend. So the, the way game three unfolded, basically, what was it, two one going into the seventh, I believe. And that's when all hell broke loose, basically, for Tennessee. They were down. I want to say it was like one to three. I think Notre Dame was down. Um, and then they just had a, a few really clutch base hits, including a home run to bring the score to even. And they went ahead and then just tacked on a couple of insurance runs, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, eighth inning. I mean, so I went back and watched the game recap and it was like a quick two minute hitter. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, that's that's not enough to give me the gist of like the tense in moments like this, when you're the favorite team, you're at home, you've got fans from Eastern Tennessee and all of their cousins, possibly relatives and kids or wives, who knows, but you've got everyone there watching you and the pressure's as high as it gets, like the two or three or four minute recap wasn't going to do it. So I went back and watched like the every hit um, clip that ESPN puts together or every pitch or whatever that they put together and to watch like the wave. And I don't think momentum is a real thing, but the wave of emotion that just completely left their crowd yeah. from the moment that first home run, you know, left the bat to tie the game up and then they go ahead. And then in the eighth inning, um, Tennessee screws up and they have a very ticky tacky error made, uh, a throw from third to first that, you know, just kind of skipped there and the first baseman mishandled it. Uh, and couldn't, you know, couldn't get the out that continued on to a deep base hit. I think it was a double, uh, that drove in another run or two that would have have wouldn't have had a chance to happen because that error extended the inning. And then you follow that up with Tennessee's down four runs. I want to say in the bottom of the eighth, and I don't know if it was Drew Gilbert, the guy that did it. Now that I think about it, I think it might've been him who screwed this up. But uh, it looked uh, like it was going to be a wild pitch. Yeah, it was but, Drew Gilbert. Uh, yeah, yeah, and in the, the catcher basically, I don't know which the phrase got behind it, made sure it didn't go past him. It ball, and, yeah, the ball kind of skipped away from it. Wasn't a, a pure pass ball. It didn't like go to the backstop, but it, it got it got away from a little bit. Yeah, Drew Gilbert took off, um, and that I mean they were they were down a few runs at this point, like you said, a very crucial base runner. Catcher picks it up, throws him down, throws him out of second base, and, and ends that little threat. Big time mistake. And I think the catcher is the guy who hit the home run to tie it up and was like his second of the year. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't like, oh, this is a guy yeah. they were relying on. But for him to make that play, turn around and save the game in that moment yeah. against, you know, Drew yeah. Gilbert, who I didn't know from Adam until, you know, you gave me the rundown a moment ago. That was tremendous to kind of see yeah. all of that unfold. I would never and will never root for Notre Dame outside, outside of like Marcus Freeman and what they're doing in football going forward don't care for university yeah but it was awesome to see <laughs> yeah and Notre Dame had a uh, a freshman pitcher left-handed pitcher who pitched the last four maybe five innings and he just pitched his ass off and just really kept tennis the Tennessee in check and this is a team that had like 150 home runs over the season like just I mean like their seven hole hitters like in eight hole hitters had like double digit home runs on the year it's an insane offensive team and some 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 like legit, you know, MLB prospect pitchers too. So 
I'm glad they're out of the tournament moving forward. Um, also, moving on, we have, aside from Notre Dame, Texas won. Yep. Uh, Texas, the Texas game was slated to start at 3 o'clock. Weather delay push it back an hour. They get it going like right after 4 o'clock. And Texas immediately puts up four runs. Um, Melendez, the Hispanic Titanic, put hit a three-run home run, and they add another one. There's one out in the top of the first, and they call it again. Weather, weather hits. And they don't get going again until 9.15 last night. And if I'm East Carolina, I'm pissed because th- their starting pitcher was pulled because he, was, he got shelled real early. They brought another guy in, gets one out, um, and then the game's on hold. So they're already on their second pitcher, the second of which has already thrown, you know, I think like 12-ish pitches at that point. Meanwhile, the starting Texas pitcher hasn't thrown a single pitch. He has a four-run lead. You know, he gets to wait in his first pitches at 920 or whatever it is at night. And it's like if like, the game basically started 4-0. Like that's how it felt. And East Carolina was down a pitcher. So it, the whole thing was weird. Uh, Texas jumped on them early. They won 10-1, I believe, was the final, something like that. Um, but, yeah, Texas moves on. So does Texas A&M, Oklahoma. Arkansas is there. Ole Miss is there. A couple of, couple of games have uh, yet to be determined. Um, really exciting, though. First, Stanford, I, I guess, would be. Stanford the is playing UConn. Yeah, that's the highest national seat left at number two. And then the other game yet to be determined is Oregon State and Auburn. I might have wrote down Oregon. So, yeah, Oregon State Auburn would be uh, yeah. the last one. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, what do you call it, old Southwest Conference. Yeah, in that absolutely. Sure. And this is, I, Texas, uh, this is Texas' 38th appearance in the College World Series, which is just did not ridiculous. Realize, yeah. Did not realize that they've yeah. been so dominant like uh, at that point. Yeah. What I, what I also didn't realize is that, Stan, not Stanford, that UConn, A, would be a presence at this level. Um and then with Tennessee, is this at all a byproduct of like some of the recent success Vanderbilt has had? Like, and then you now introduce like NIL money and you still have Tennessee attraction or has Tennessee always been good as, you know, uh, in baseball too? Historically, Tennessee has not been that strong. No. Okay. So yeah, maybe there's something to what you're saying. I know that Tennessee just landed a transfer from, oh gosh, uh, Kansas, I want to say a shortstop. Who was like an NF an an NIL an NIL guy? They just threw a bunch of money at him, and he's supposed to be a very legit prospect. So, yeah, obviously that stuff is uh, starting up in baseball as well. Good the, for them. The NIL money getting thrown around. So yeah, Friday is when is when it starts. I can't wait. I love. I absolutely love the College World Series. Well, probably wouldn't be a bad time to uh, I don't know swing by your local beverage provider vendor retailer, I don't know what you want to use, and buy yourself a pack of Fizzy. Because the first thing I noticed when I moved up here to Madison, Vizzy is definitely here and here in force. I've seen multiple front yard, day party, good vibe situations going on as I've driven around town. University of Wisconsin campus is dead center of the the city. Kids in the front yard, just having a couple drinks. Two different times I've seen Vizzy in hand. It is an absolute scene. Time to catch a vibe at the pool, catch a vibe at the lake, catch a vibe tailgating for your college baseball team. It's all about the vibe. We love Vizzy. Uh, the mimosa flavors are out. Get your hands on them if you can. I think they're hard to come by because they're so popular. 
Find them, try them. They have so many great flavors. Brett's been talking up the peach mimosa one. Uh, to find a Vizzy near you, go to VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash washed. That's VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash washed. And for updates on the latest flavor drops and more, sign up at VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash subscribe. Must be 21 or older. Absolutely. Lastly, let's do a little bit of sports party. I believe I still have some sports party music on this board. Let's go. First and foremost, I don't know if you saw the video last week, but there was a boxing event that took place in Africa. Uh, one boxer named Samiso Lezi. I apologize as uh, it's probably the last time you'll hear me quote his name. Because unfortunately, he has passed away following that fight. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a scene in which uh, two boxers uh, were going at it and Samiso was doing, was delivering most of the damage. The other boxer basically got knocked out, somehow got up after the ref cleared each of them. Samiso was uh, basically beginning to shadow box in the wrong direction, started going towards the ref. It was clear. He didn't know where he was at. The ref called the fight. The other guy won later on was found to had, you know, brain bleed and unfortunately passed away. So terribly sad story. Oh, it man. did lead to some uncomfortable and awkward situation, uh, uh, statements and jokes on the uh, NBA Finals broadcasts by Mark Jackson and uh, and Jeff Van Gundy. Uh -oh, what they say? It. But they weren't aware that the, the boxer had passed away. Okay. So they later had to apologize. So I can't fault them for it because I would have probably made a similar joke or played the audio from it. But sad story, but that's how we have to start sports party. Mm. What's also sad is that we're nearing the end of hockey season. I know you were just absolutely gutted to know about it, but uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, actually, and it's I asked Brett if he wanted to appear real quick on the on this episode to talk a little a little puck, but as he was out of town all weekend and without service all weekend, actually in Montana, uh, he was pretty much didn't know what was going on, so he had to skip today's episode. Uh, yeah, they start Wednesday, huh? Yeah, Lightning in their third straight Stanley Cup Finals. Unfortunately, we have to see people on the timeline uh, refer to them as the Ng again. Uh, oh, but gosh. finally, the Colorado Avalanche may, I, I would say, deliver on the promises that they've you know been set up for the last two seasons. Uh, the Stars knocked them out inexplicably two years ago. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is still dominant, still doing his thing. Uh, I will defer all in-depth and accurate hockey talk to yeah. the Brett Cold Stove podcast featuring one Brett Merriman. Yeah, um, I was about to I was about to say listen to to guys who actually know what they're talking about talk about hockey after Brett gets caught up on everything, which will be uh, later on this week on Cold Stove. Yeah, one other thing I absolutely know nothing about is that uh, the Braves have won eleven straight, which is like one of their longest win streaks, and I don't know. You tell me the amount of time. Who cares? But a tweet that went under the radar uh, this weekend I shared in the group text was that it was reported that Joe Madden, Angels manager, got a mohawk to inspire them to break their 12-game losing streak. Uh, unfortunately, the team did not see the mohawk to be inspired by it because Joe Madden was fired. 
sometime in between getting the Mohawk and seeing the team. So uh, they actually did go on to win the game. It wasn't because of his Mohawk. Now he's just a sad old man. He's likely going to retire and, you know, get an MLB TV job with a Mohawk. Pretty lit. What? <laughs> That's so embarrassing. How did this, how did he let this get out? Like I'm, I'm doing. I'm, I'm immediately going to the barbershop. I'm getting, I'm getting it taken down, and I'm, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm wearing a hat. Yes, you're a baseball manager. You don't have to remove your hat ever. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a tough look, man. You've got to think TMZ Sports like caught him heading to LAX. Like sadly, dragging his like roller luggage. Joe, Joe, what's up, what's up with the mohawk? Just wear a hat. Don't tell a soul. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, in one event that I absolutely did not watch, but I do think it's worth mentioning, UFC 275. I even watched the pronunciation of her name, and I've butchered it in the past, but Joanna Jedrasechek didn't get that right. Retired after her uh, second fight, I believe, with uh, Weilei Zhang. Uh, lost this fight as well, but she's been an absolute force uh, on the women's uh, side. And then apparently... I say apparently again, because one thing I did not do is get uh, finished with these highlights, but Glover Teixeira uh, and a Polish fighter on his third UFC fight, um, title belt or title uh, fight. Go text Dave if you want the details on it, because Glover Teixeira lost uh, a fight that featured a lot of haymakers and a lot of blows taken. I don't know shit because I watched it on mute and forgot to break it down. There's your combat sports minute. Worst of all time. Well, our combat sports guy isn't here. <laughs> I had the notes down because every every headline was like an instant classic fight. And I'm like, shit, I got to get yeah. to this. And I jotted it down, forgot to go back and get it. Also, run it back is a short one this week, mostly because with just two of us, I feel like I have to be on more than I usually do. So when you guys, when you and Dave are going back and forth about something I don't know about, that's what I'm usually filling in the run it back. Anyway, we're going to have a short one today. And it's time to run it back, of course, to segment during which we talk about what we already talked about. Dylan and Snoop and Martha Stewart are tight now. KJ is fully domesticated now after hosting a uh, garage sale at his house. Very proper. Texas advances to the College World Series as the Hispanic Titanic hit another one with 32 home runs now on the season. Drew Gilbert will be watching the College World Series from home, unfortunately. Drew, you're welcome to join us for our uh, post-World Series uh, <laughs> talk next week. And finally, KJ began the sports party with the news of a death again. Thank you, yeah, KJ. Got dedicate it. It's in their honor. All right. Well, I had a good time, KJ. Thanks for holding down the fort with me, man. This was great. I appreciate you allowing me to be in your presence, you know, in your aura, as you will, you know, ascend to another level. Maybe this podcast will get retweeted by shithead Steve or shit Steve says. I don't know. Man. Some other Reddit threads or who knows. As, a, as I said on Circling Back, I've been on Twitter since fall of 2011. And nothing like this, even close, has happened to me before. And I'm pretty sure it is never going to happen again. I got struck by lightning once <laughs> and uh, it was exhilarating. It's no time magazine, but it's something. Well, I appreciate it. We will get out of here. Enjoy y'all's Monday. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. The dip, that's all I know. I don't want my chips playing. I don't want my chips with the dip. I'll bring them dips. Oh, Sunday night.